Good evening and welcome to the Get Football Mercato Show here every weekday to bring you the latest transfer news from across France, Germany and Italy. I am Alessandro Pugliese filling in for Nathan Staples and joining me this evening are Claudio Perfetto from Get Italian Football News, Axel Falk from Get German Football News, as well as Tom Scholes and Hal Walker from Get French Football News. We start off tonight with news from Gianluca Di Marzio as the Italian is reporting Barcelona have made an offer to Manchester United consisting of 50 million euros plus both Jerry Mina, Yerry Mina and Andre Gomes. Uh, what are your thoughts about the latest news regarding the Frenchman, uh, both Hal and Tom? Well, I think a lot of it comes out of mainly Mina Raiola. A lot of the noise seems to be coming from his part, not necessarily Manchester United or even Paul Pogba. He came back to training today from the World Cup. And then he walks home, walks into training, and this is the news that faces him. Now, everybody knows that Man United need a centre-back. In the past few days, they've been linked with about 12 of them. You know, Harry Maguire, Jerome Boateng, Toby Edevarold, and now Yuri Mina. That's been going on for a, uh, a week or however long now. So at least that part of the deal seems to be a bit more realistic. But Andre Gomez for Paul Pogba? I, it, to me, it doesn't add up. It seems a bit of... Uh, showmanship and a bit of pandering from other sides, but you know, maybe Hal's got a different view to it than I have. Yeah, I mean, just to back up what you're saying, really, there, Tom. Um, I mean, I think that Barcelona could be just testing the waters here, but it's clear that Man United's interest in Mina has calls from where we were a few weeks ago anyway as as you say that they, they've turned their attentions now to mainly to Toby Alderweireld and Harry Maguire so um this this could move forward again um and Yeri Mina himself maybe may well be off somewhere else but um but it, this could develop more in the next 48 hours for sure I, I certainly agree gentlemen um, I mean, we've definitely seen Mino Raiola play these tricks before, no doubt. Um, on to Italy, where Milan have had a busy day with a legend returning to the club, a striker departing, and potentially missing out on a midfield target. Help us break down the Rossoneri's day, Claudio. Yeah, as you said, it was a very busy day um, for Milan at Casa Milan. It started with a very positive news of Paolo Maldini returning to the club. Now, unfortunately for the club, uh, he can no longer play for them, which I'm sure they would love at this point. But uh, his um, returning is, is more of a symbolic thing for the fans and for Italian football, especially because Maldini has famously been um, holding out his return to Milan because he would only join uh, a serious project with the uh, specified role, which it seems he finally is receiving from Elliot and under Leonardo. So, more than anything, it's just a signal that the club is moving in the right direction and um, has a great chance to return back to its glory days at the top of European uh, football. And then on the other end of the spectrum, Nikola Kalinic is moving um, to Atletico Madrid. It was a failed experiment with Kalinic. I still think he's, he's a decent striker, but it just didn't work out for him in Milan. He didn't get off to a great start. From there, he uh, really just lost confidence was not the same player we saw at Fiorentina uh, and a, a change of scenery is probably the best for him. It's actually being reported as a permanent transfer. It was thought to be a loan with an obligation to buy, but it looks like it's actually going to be a permanent transfer for just under 15 million euros. So they'll be happy to move on from him and get his wages 
uh, off the books, even though they spent probably about $10 million more than that last year. And then uh, Bernard is being reported as uh, being close to Everton. He, Milan was very close to him. He, the player wanted to join Milan, reportedly. Um, they never made the move. Apparently, they had to wait for Kalinic to leave before the before they could make a move for him. But I get the sense that maybe Leonardo wasn't that interested in him. I think Leonardo, from the press conference today with Maldini, it seems like the club really only want to make signings that they see would improve the quality of the club vastly. They don't want to bring in any more, you know, average or good players. They they want to improve the club vastly by any future signings that they make. So um, I'm sure that's more why they're, they're passing on it because it was a good deal, free transfer. The agent fees were, were kind of high, but, um, you know, they didn't have to pay any transfer fee for them. So that's the only reason why I could see them passing up on that. All right, thank you, Claudio. And meanwhile, in Germany, Bild are reporting that Manchester United have officially opened negotiations with Bayern Munich for Jerome Boateng. What can you tell us about the latest report there, Axel? That is correct. Um, looks to be around forty-five to fifty million uh, from uh, Manchester United. Uh, it looks like, uh, like uh, Jose Mourinho has told the owners at Manchester United that he wants um, John Boateng and that they know it, uh, and therefore. They have, uh, according to Christian Falk at Sportbild, uh, who's very, very close to uh, to the uh, top at uh, Bayern Munich, uh, have started negotiations with the Bavarian club about signing of uh, Jörg Boateng, who has, of course, been a long-term target for them. Um, it would probably be him or Jeremina. I think Jeremy Maguire is also an option for them. Um, I do think that Jörg Boateng for 45 or 30 million would probably be the most... Uh, worthy for the price uh, of the three, so it will be a very good signing for for Manchester United. Um, I can understand why Bayern Munich are trying to sell him. Uh, he's kind of kind of faded in the last few seasons, um, and uh, I think Hummels and Schuler will do quite well without him, to be honest. So uh, it could be interesting. Could be good for all three parties. Uh, even though I think my um, Manchester United and Jordan Boateng get the most out of the deal if it would were to happen. I know it might be a little hard to predict at the moment, but I mean, we've heard these rumors uh, continuing for a little while, Axel. Uh, do you think it's likely for Man United to close this deal before the deadline in the next few days? Um, uh, normally, I would have said so, but considering it, it's a close deadline, um, I'm not too sure because if they would had they would have had as much time as uh, as Bayern Munich have in the transfer window, which is basically one more month almost. I think this day would have been uh, almost certain to happen. But now, considering it's quite close, it's quite a very close deadline, only a few days, uh, it seems a bit more uncertain, I would say. So it could happen, could not happen. I think it's like 50-50, perhaps 60-40 to Man United. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think it could happen. It could definitely happen, but it needs to be quick. Negotiations, of course, need to be quite swift and rapid. And oh. negotiations with what time need to be there as well. All right. Thank you, Axel. And uh, on to our focus of on each league this evening. Um, we will start a bit of a crossover here. Um, as recent reports are coming flying in, that Inter Milan are in serious negotiations with AS Monaco regarding Keita Balde. 
Uh, Claudio, I'll go to you first. What can you tell us about this latest report? Yeah, so actually on the Democracy site, um, we just had a, a report come out that Inter is indeed involved for in negotiations for Kate Zabalde. They were also apparently offered uh, Juan Mata from Manchester United, but doesn't they don't seem to be that interested in that move. But uh, Keita seems to be the priority. It makes sense. Um, Inter need a winger. They need an upgrade over uh, Antonio Candreva. They signed Matteo Palitano earlier in the transfer window, but uh, Spalletti playing in the Champions League and Serie A would like depth at the position, so it's a move that makes sense. And I actually saw reports not on the market but on other sites that um, the move might actually be an exchange between Keita and Candreva. So it would be a very, very good move for Inter if they're able to pull it off. And uh, from the French side, how do we see things uh, over there, Tom and how? I think it's uh, moving a bit more quickly now, even since we've come on here. It's been a, a move that, if I remember correctly, it was someone that was being chased a lot when he was at Lazio. He had a, he had a really impressive season there a couple of uh, years ago. And then he goes to Monaco, who's meant to be one of the people, one of the players to lead like a new era at Monaco after the departure of Mbappe and you know when they won the league and everything like that and it hasn't quite worked out as well as it should have but I could imagine in this inter team with Spalletti and you know the way they want to play and some of the some of the players they have it suits his system more he knows the league suits the league a bit more than he might do in France and I think it's a move that you know it it's excelled even more since we've come on by the time we've ended he might even be an inter play you never know but I think it's a good move for both parties, for, for both player and Inter, and it might even be a really good one for Monaco. Yeah, I mean, just to, just to follow up with what you're saying there, Tom, I mean, um, as you say, he's he's got experience of the league. He's played for many years in the Serie I think he's had uh, four or five seasons playing um, in the capital. Um, and he's, he has had a good, even though he's he's been slightly more out of the spotlight in the last 12 months, um, he hasn't had a bad season. He's I think he scored eight or, eight or nine goals at the Stade Louis de this season. So he's, uh, I, th- I think he will fit in with Spalletti's style and he's quite a versatile player, can play out on the wing um, or behind the striker. So um, this could work, This could well move forward again. Yeah, and if I could just uh, interrupt. Yeah, he, it's very true. Inter were actually after him last summer, but so were uh, Juventus and Milan. He, he was a hot prospect uh, in Italy over the past few seasons before his move to Monaco and even in January there were some rumblings of a move back to a big club uh, in Italy so I think um, he would he would serve Inter greatly especially because of his success in the league already. Well put gentlemen um, and while we are on the topic of Inter um, Claudio can you give us a little update on the Luka Modric situation? Yeah so um, as of today on the Marzio we reported that Modric will have a meeting with Florentino Perez on either Wednesday or Thursday of this week. Um, it's looking likely that he might actually ask for an exit from Real Madrid. Um, that hasn't been confirmed, though. Uh, it's an interesting situation. Uh, you know, Modric is 32 years old. Maybe Real Madrid would be interested in getting a high price for him at this point in his his career. But he's fundamental to the team, so I don't know if they'd be willing to lose Aldo and Modric in the same uh, summer. But we'll see. Anta definitely are interested. They keep pursuing him, and um, it'll be a great move for them. 
there are some rumblings that they are trying to pair it together with the Chinese club that's tuning on, and maybe he'll come to Inter for a few years before making a high, uh, high wage move to to China. So maybe that something like that will entice him. But that's the latest that it will, we should know by the end of the week um, what his intentions are and what Real Madrid's intentions are. Alrighty. And uh, how about what has uh, the boisterous Napoli president Aurelio De Laurentiis uh, mentioned about his star center back? Yeah, he he mentioned that um, he's under uh, contract for an additional five years. They've agreed to a renewal, which is a huge, huge move for Napoli. Uh, Koulibaly last year it was arguably their most important player. I think uh, personally he's the best center back in Italy, uh, without a doubt. Might even be you know one of the top in the world at this point. He's uh, got all the tools and he's fundamental for for that team. Uh, Ancelotti definitely would not want to lose him uh, in his first season in charge at Napoli. So it's a great move for the club if they're able to hold on to him, especially because their preseason hasn't really gotten that that well and then in other news uh juventus also had a few important uh renewals they're, they're working on the renewals of pjanic alexandro and rugani pjanic was uh had rumors of maybe a possible barcelona or english premier league move early in the transfer window but it looks like he's set to stay which makes sense because these players now like pjanic and sandro i'm sure want to have the opportunity to play for Juventus, while Cristiano Ronaldo is on the club in the club, and and um, they have a real shot at winning the Champions League, and then Rugani is a renewal that makes sense. Uh, he had interest from Chelsea earlier in the transfer window, but after Mattia Caldata moved to to Milan, it's uh, someone that Juventus is going to hold on to now for sure because they're not going to want to sell both of their young, uh, promising center backs in the same uh, transfer window. And then one last uh, report that we had come in from Italy recently that I should have mentioned earlier was Ricardo Rodriguez uh, wants to stay at Milan. There's interest from PSG in the left back, but he is happy at Milan and wants to stay at Milan and believes in the new project. So unless Milan is persuaded by the offer from PSG and, and speaks to him about it, it looks like he's set to stay at the club as well. Fantastic. Thank you, Claudio. And in Germany, uh, we had an official deal today, essentially, as Alex Witzel joins Borussia Dortmund. Uh, what can you tell us about that, Axel? Yep. Um, the whole deal is done. He's, uh, he's signed. He's trained. He's um, uh, posed for pictures. He's posted fans. He's done all those things. So he's officially part of uh, the crazy family that is Borussia Dortmund. Um, it's very, very fun transfer. I would say it's 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 one of those transfers that I think they definitely needed and wanted, and uh, now they have some 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 like some tenacity in in the middle of the pitch, which is um, has been lacking in the last last year I think uh, since getting left. So um, and have a new like leader who will of, of course play because New Shine is his lead, but he doesn't play that much. So uh, they have a player that can now team up with Dahoud and Weigel. Uh, to create um, a very capable midfield at um, at Westfalenstadion uh, again, which is uh, very very good. Um, yeah, I, I'm I'm a big fan of his transfer. I think it's it's, it's perfect for them. Uh, it's exactly what they need. Lovely, and uh, there are reports of uh, Philip Kostic joining uh, Wolfsburg this evening. What can you tell us about that? 
Yes, uh, seems to be a deal about, um, I think, 8 million, it says, uh, which is, um, well, it's, it's okay business. I mean, Wolfsburg haven't made themselves a name for making a great business in the last few years. This summer, they've already signed uh, Andre Hahn from Hamburg, and now they signed, of course, uh, well, perhaps sign Philip Kostic from the same club. Uh, I'm not too fond of signing like players who've been benched by a more or less benched by a relegated team like Hamburg. Uh, so I, I'm not too sure that this is a good signing for Wolfsburg, but they seem to be aiming for med- for another year of mediocrity. So I, I know it, it might be lined with the goals. Um, 8 million for Kostic, decent money. I think it's good money for Hamburg and it's a good good deal for, decent deal at least for have Wolfsburg, who of course have lots of money to spend. Very well. And uh, according to reports in Sweden, uh, striker Isaac Kiese Thelen, I probably butchered that pronunciation. Um, according to reports in Sweden, he may be headed to Bayer Leverkusen. Uh, what is the latest update on that? Uh, well, very reliable journalists uh, in Sweden have um, more or less confirmed it. Um, seems to be... <laughs> It's quite strange deal for by Leverkusen. It, it's it's a probably a strange deal for for Kistelin as well because, of course, uh, by Leverkusen have both Lucas Lario and uh, Kevin Folland uh, as strikers. So I'm not, I can't imagine a world where Kistelin, uh, who scored lots of goals in Belgium last season, um, and of course uh, played with Sweden at World Cup, um, will actually have like, get uh, playing time um, in not have as fun, but. You never know. He could be a good score player. He's, uh, of course, a very, a very tall striker, very good in the box, a target player. And he might perhaps be Stefan Kiesling's uh, replacement as uh, the uh, legend uh, retired last season. So it's most definitely uh, would be a strange signing for both parties, but it could be could be good for, for them as well. I mean, to, to get a play like that, who can jump in and perhaps... Uh, score and equalizer or late winner or something like that. So could be could be nice. Um, transfer is still unspecified, um, but um, it's probably good money for for all parties. If that were to go through, do you think uh, there could be any departures on the the front line? Not not really. Uh, as I said, Stefan Kiesling retired uh, last season, um, and that's probably why they decided to sign uh, Kiesling. Because they need uh, another tall striker who can jump in and perhaps, um, well, bring us some points in, in rough moments. Uh, I think that's probably the main goal with it. Um, I can't see, I can't see Leverkusen a club on on, on the, the clear up selling any other attacking players in order to sign Isaac Histelin or the other way around. So um, it should just be a basically a clear replacement for um, Stefan Kiesling. All right, and finally, uh, there are reports of Aaron Martin joining Mainz from Espanyol. Uh, what is the update regarding that? That's a done deal, actually. Uh, it's um, it was a loan deal. It, it's, a, it's a loan deal with an obligation to buy. It seems um, it's um, the loan deal itself costs three million for Mainz, uh, and uh, they have an obligation to buy if Aaron Martin. Plays more than uh, more than ten games, and then it will it will cost six million. It says so. Uh, it's it's very it's a very good transfer. 
I think uh, it's it's a very good money for a very very good, good left back. I think so. Uh, very good business business for mine to have made some amazing business in the last few years with, of course, signing Gimma Man, uh, and um, now they signed, of course, Jan Flip Mateta from uh, Le Havre. So it's um, it's uh, it's a club known for doing some good business um, and then developing the players and selling them very expensively. So um, I think this is a, let's say, very Mainz signing, possibly like quintessential Mainz. Um, and it could be very, very good for them. All right. Thank you, Axel. Uh, let's move on to France. Uh, following the sale of Malcolm, it seems as if Bordeaux are ready to spend their cash uh, Tom and Hal, can you walk us through what their uh, dealings on the transfer market are? Yeah, basically, it's a whole new strategy of what they're trying to go through. They've sold their star player in Malcolm, you know, in the controversial fashion in which they did. They sold him nonetheless. However, it's, it remind, what they're doing also reminds me of a quote that was said here when Tottenham sold Gareth Bale. They've sold... Uh, they sold Elvis and they're buying the Beatles. Now, I wouldn't ex exactly express it the same way as this, but when they're signing players, like Mikel Agu from uh, FC Porto, according to French football, uh, Naeem Slitty, who was very impressive for Dijon in the second half of the season, who will improve the team in terms of goal scoring, and also the Fluminense forward, uh, Pedro, and you know they're very optimistic that this deal can go through. But I also think... You know, it's, it's very smart of Bordeaux to invest the money in players in which they know can improve the team, in which they know can not not necessarily fill the gap that Malcolm left, because to fill the gap of one star player, it, it's hard to identify it, it by buying new players in different positions and hoping that they can all get together and, you know, have the same effect as he did, but the signings they make in the signings they're making rather look smart. They look like they 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 make sense, and they look like they have a good future with Bordeaux. And I think in the past season or so, there's been a bit of confusion around Bordeaux. Sometimes they've made decisions that have confused people and left people scratching their heads. But in this sense, they've sold their star player, which was always going to happen but they're not just keeping the money. They're investing it in areas in which they need assistance in. They've lost their goal threat in Malcolm, so they're bringing one in from a rival in Dijon and Slitty. He was very impressive, and his goal return was quite impressive last towards the back end of last season. So players like him and you know, Pedro from Fluminense, I, I confess that I'm not exactly a Brazilian football connoisseur, but when you're paying £13.5 million for a player, you expect them to be... You know, worthy of the price tag and you expect them to deliver when it matters so they uh it seems like it seems very smart in the same way that it, it makes sense and it needs to happen and uh, what are your thoughts on bordeaux's move deep moves and dealings on the market how well, it, it's come um, after a lot of um, direct frustration borne out in the media from Gus Poyer. Um, there's been a lot of, I mean, they haven't really signed anyone at all this summer. Um, and Poyet's um, been crying out to the heavens for some for some movement. Um, and it seems that Malcolm Sale has kind of has set the wheels in motion. 
um, as such. So they are go they are going out to to boost their goal threat. Um, the Pedro the Pedro deal will probably be the most lucrative um, deal that that they're going to be getting in. Um, but I think it's going to it's it's looking that it's going to be worth around thirteen and a half million euros. Um, so I mean. This is a player, from what I from what I understand, um, other other clubs in Europe have been chasing as well, including Seville, uh, Lyon, and Dortmund. Um, but Bordeaux hope that they've they've got a good pre-existing relationship with Fluminense, Fluminense, um, so that they're hoping that that's going to swing the deal in their favour. And a big story tonight. Uh... Although he has been linked to Liverpool all summer long, it seems as if Chelsea have made a new approach for Nabil Fakir. Uh, what can you guys tell us about that update? Yeah, so um, I'll, I'll go ahead with this. Um, so it's, this is a story that's moved quite quickly within the last within the last twelve hours, really. Um, so what I understand is that. After after the, the move um, for, for Fakir going to Liverpool, completely broke down after a failed medical, and Leon publicly complaining about Liverpool's um, dealings with the, with the move and with the projected transfer. Um, Chelsea, although they haven't made a firm offer yet, they've um, they've uh, made indirect. It's it's been made aware as such that they are preparing to make. A substantial bid. Um, it's probably going to be in excess of 50 million euros, um, as this was uh, what I believe that Liverpool went in for. Um, so Ansari is looking to um, increase his fluidity and his counter-attacking pace um, in offensive areas. So this is this is one of the I think the main deals that Chelsea will be looking to get over the line before the window ends. Go ahead, Hal. Any thoughts? Well, I mean, uh, it's 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 unlikely yet to be made certain that if if this is going to go going to be if they're going to get this one over the line, um, it's it's been one of the longest running transfer sagas of the summer. Um, so whether Chelsea can nip in and do this within a matter of 48, 72 hours. Um, after Liverpool took three to four weeks to get this deal done, um, this could be one of the deals of the, of the last few last few days of the window. I'd also say as well before we move on and just uh, read out a quote here from Fekir when he was speaking to uh, Leon's official club television station. He says, "As you can see, I am in Leon. I'm very happy here, but the transfer window is still long, and everything goes very quickly in football. We don't know what will happen in the future, but I am very happy at Leon." So. As football quotes go when it comes to transfers, that is about standard as standard gets. But I think from Chelsea's point of view, as Hal touched on there, Sarri is used to having a front three that is quite fluid and can move about and play in almost any position. He's got that in Eden Hazard, provided he stays and you know all, all signs show that he is looking likely to stay at Stamford Bridge. But Fekir in that front three alongside, you know, they've been linked with Anthony Martial, which would be another good signing for them. 
But also, I think what's flown under the radar a little bit when it comes to this is a seen, it could be seen by Chelsea as a bit of a power play over Liverpool. Liverpool, in the past two seasons, have kind of stolen the headlines and stolen the thunder from uh, almost every team in England because of you know Mo Salah and their fluidity in their front three and the spending they've had. So I think Chelsea would view it as almost, uh, yeah, you may have Champions League football, but we've got the one guy you wanted this summer. So I think... On a playing level, yes, it would improve them because obviously Fekir is a wonderful player and he would fit perfectly into a, into a Maurizio Sarri side. But also off the pitch, I think it would be a, you know, a flexing of muscles in a way in the transfer market when Chelsea have been, you know, they've been somewhat criticised for what they've done so far. Interesting point there, Tom. Perhaps it could salvage their uh, transfer market this summer uh, in some form if they pull off Fakir in the final days. Uh, meanwhile, Marseille have agreed to sell Remy Cabela to Saint-Étienne. What can you guys tell us about the details of that deal? Well, um, I mean, Cabela was, Remy Cabela was on loan at uh, Saint-Étienne last year and he had a good season. He got his, he sort of uh, resurrected a stalling career uh, last season, um, scoring, I believe he scored seven goals in the 25 games he played. Um, so Marseille are, are, are seem happy to sell. Um, they, they don't have plans for him in the, in the first team next year. So the deal is is um, mooted to be seven and a half year, million euros uh, plus bonuses. Um, so the finer the finer details have to be ironed out in the next day or so. But this one should should go through. Tom, do you think it would be a be a good move for Cabela to? <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, of course, it would be a move that would, you know, as you mentioned, there he was on loan towards the second half of the season, and he, uh, well, for the major majority of the season rather, but he stood out as one of their talisman uh, towards the second half of the season, and stood out in a way that I think he has the talent to. He just needed the right environment to do it, and maybe Marseille wasn't that environment with you know Ovan and Payet being so prominent in their roles. But the move makes sense for all parties. With San Etienne getting a player that they had before, is you know someone that they can bed into the system quite easily. They're not spending an outrageous amount of money and, you know, everybody's familiar with him. Remy Cabela gets to play in an environment where he's shown he's flourished, he's shown that he can fit in and suit their style. And Marseille get rid of a player that they weren't really intending to use and weren't banking on in any way. So I think it's a, it's a move that, one, makes sense, and two, is something that all three parties need. All right. And on to the last two stories this evening. Uh, despite Yerry Mina being involved in Barcelona's offer to Manchester United for Paul Pogba, Lyon remained confident in signing the Colombian centre back. Uh, do you guys think uh, Lyon can pull off this deal? I think the. As you mentioned there, the, the, he's been linked with Manchester United in that spectacular and outrageous uh, trade with Manchester United for Paul Pogba. As even as I say it, it sounds ridiculous. But I think this, the, the main part of this for the Yerimina transfer is between Lyon and Everton. And without being too disrespectful to Lyon, Everton have the Premier League money that can blow most teams out of the water. I think it is just a case of where Mina himself wants to play. And I think I've seen reports suggesting that he is actually you know, quite keen on joining Lyon. Um it seems to be a better environment and, you know, 
with Marco Silva going into uh, going into Everton, we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know how everything's going to react. We don't know what the system's going to be. And, you know, maybe Mina knows something we don't. And I think he seems set on playing in Europe, yeah, certainly in the continent. And, you know, Leon is a good team to play for. It's a good uh, setup. And as Fekir himself said later on in the quote that we mentioned, he feels they've got a really good squad. Maybe Mina feels the same way, but I think ultimately what it comes down to is who can outbid the other? Can Everton use their financial muscle to uh, push Leon out of the way, or will uh, the players uh, wish to play for Leon overcome anything else? Yeah, I mean, um, just following on from what you were saying there about uh, Mina's Mina's preference, uh, from what I understand, the 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 Mina's preference lies with the fact that Leon are in the Champions League and Everton aren't. Um, it, it, it's quite clear that Everton would would have the could offer could offer probably more money than Leon made possibly, um, and they, they've got a very good squad set up of their own and, and will have money to spend. But um, Leon is a good club to play for, and he will he will definitely further further his uh, playing career and get first team football consistently at Lyon so um it's it probably will go down to down to a bidding war in the last in the, in the next few evenings and lastly uh there are reports that Everton are in negotiations with Lille for defender Adama Sumaru uh apologies for my pronunciation um what do we think about the Lille defenders' potential move to the Premier League, gentlemen? Well, I think it would be, uh, you know, I think a lot of it comes off the back of what we were just saying about Yeri Mina and how he might be their main target at Everton. But I think the Merseyside team probably look at it and, you know, they realistically assume that they, Mina's first choice may not be Goodison Park, so they've decided to look for an, uh, another player that can, you know, play a similar way and suits their style, and someone that doesn't won't break the bank. And they've obviously identified Samuru from Lille, and I think, you know, it'd be a good signing for him. I think it'd be a good fit and someone that is quite a talented player, but also isn't. He just wants to play football, and I think that's a very important factor for a club like Everton. When they don't have Champions League football to offer, they don't have Europa League football to offer, they've got to have people that want to play for the club, they want to play in the Premier League, and they want to play for Marco Silva. And I think they identified the, the, this guy ahead of Mina as someone that they can, you know, as a, as a more available alternative, and also someone that wants to play for Everton as opposed to a Champions League club solely. Yeah, I mean, um, I think it's it's quite clear with with uh, the the expansion of all these deals and with a lot of clubs um, with their hand in multiple in multiple multiple deals. I think that um, it's quite clear that clubs like Everton and Leon have a plan A, a plan B, and a and another fallback option, an insurance of a third of a third option. Um, Samara probably is is their plan B if. If Mina doesn't go through, um, but just to follow on from what Tom said, I think Samara wants to to build his his playing his playing development. He wants first team football. Um, he won't be guaranteed that at Everton because it's a competitive Premier League squad. But he he will certainly be playing in a, a 
very, very highly competitive league, one of the top three leagues in in Europe. Um, and uh, he's 26 years old, so he needs to be playing first-team football. No doubt, certainly. Thank you, guys. And that is all for this evening. My thanks to Claudio, Axel, Tom, and Hal for their company, and the same to all of you at home. Please join us again tomorrow for more from the crazy world of the transfer window.